So this is part two of a conversation with book designer Dan Prescott about the intricacies of book design. And I've had a question come in on Facebook. One of my writers was asking if you could say something roughly about the timescale of a project when you're working on cover design. I think it, it really does vary from, from book to book. Um, a lot of it depends on on uh, you know when the when the author is looking to publish I've worked with authors, authors in the past where they you know they're they're prepping the book but they're not looking to publish until the following spring or or you work with another author and they're and they're looking to publish in a couple of months time so you kind of work around the requirements of the situation but generally speaking I'd say you need at least 6 weeks to a couple of months to complete the cover Maybe the process that the process that I go through is that I would, after going through the brief and having the preliminary discussions with the author, um, I'd spend a couple of weeks coming up with some initial designs, probably submit three designs, um, and then you'd spend the next month or so, well, after after the author decides which of the three designs they want to take further, spend the next month or so refining that design you know and going backwards and forwards until you get to the completed design so, so it <laughs> sounds like it sounds like a, an author should um get in touch nice and early if they're looking to work with a designer rather than leaving it till the end i think so yeah i think it's it's a it's a really important part of the process and you know if you've if you've spent however long refining your manuscript getting it to the point where it's ready to publish you know you've worked on any supplementary material you really don't want to get to the point where you're letting it down at the last minute by rushing through a cover design. You know, it's it's a process that needs it needs some time and it needs some consideration. And I know that cover design isn't the only thing that you do. Perhaps we can talk about some of the other parts of your work that aren't designing the cover. So what other tasks might you do when you're working on a book? Yeah, I mean, cover design is, is only really a small part of what we or I do at Cooper Street. My the training that I've given myself in my career and over the years has kind of I've tried to encompass as many aspects of book production as possible. So as I've mentioned, I trained as a typesetter and I do illustration and you know redrawing maps and diagrams and as well as the cover design. So actually, the tasks that I do day to day can be really varied. For example, at the moment I'm working on a set of educational textbooks where. The in-house designer at the publisher has produced a template, design template, and then the editor will supply me with the finished manuscript and all the images. And so I'll be using the template to typeset and design the book in line with that. So that's one aspect of it. And then the other end of the spectrum, just the end of last year, I was working on a, a colouring book for Penguin, where they are producing a kind of facsimile of a book called The Country Diary of an Edwardian Lady, which was a, a kind of bestseller back in the 30s. It was a, a lady who did lots of watercolour illustrations of the English countryside. So Penguin wanted to do a, a colouring book version of that. So I reproduced all her illustrations as line drawings um, to produce this adult colouring book. So that gives you two examples of two kind of very different projects that that we work on, but both tied together by the umbrella of 
book production. <laughs> That's it. And, and, so, and so sometimes you're working on the typesetting. So what the actual, how the text is laid out within, um, within the manuscript. And perhaps it's like proofreading in that it's something that we don't always notice when it works well. Most people don't pay much attention to the typesetter. However, there is a great deal of care that can be put into good typesetting. And there can be quite a lot of forethought that goes into that and research. So can you give some examples where the typesetting um, impacts on the final product? Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting one, similar to what editing and proofreading, as you just mentioned, in the sense that if it's done properly, it becomes invisible in that you know, you only ever notice if it's done badly. Sorry, you only ever notice it if it's done badly. So with proofreading, the only way, the only reason you should notice it is if a typo is in there <laughs> kind of thing. So it's a, it's an interesting situation in that we put so much care and attention into the typesetting for the purpose of making sure that the author doesn't notice it, which is interesting. And sorry. in terms of the typesetting, are you sometimes trying to achieve a particular length of book a number of pages yeah. or well, there were, yeah there were as well as the kind of basics of choosing a typeface choosing type size choosing margins and you know the, the layout of a page there are those broader considerations when producing a book like you like you mentioned for example the the publisher will often have a a target extent in mind extent meaning the number of pages in a book so they'll come to you with the manuscript and say, right, here are the words. We need this book to make 400 pages. And then you have to design the pages to accommodate that. When, you know, design, Make the page design so that it fills that many pages. I think and that's one of those kind of quirks of that a lot of people probably don't think about. Classic example is um, books that you would see stacked up in WH Smith's at the airport you know, that are 600 pages long, these massive tomes that, that you buy because they seem, you think, oh, wow, that's going to last me the whole holiday. That's great value. But really, it's probably a situation that the publisher's gone to the typesetter and said, we need this book to make 600 pages. So you blow up the size of the type, you make the margins fatter, and suddenly you, you're covering um, more pages than you would otherwise. Fantastic. Um, so sometimes they're making it, it, it look bulkier than it really is. Yeah. And then sometimes to make a budget so they can sell it at a certain price, they might need it to be take up less pages to fit the budget. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's within commercial printing because of this is going to get a bit techie, but within commercial printing, the way that big printing presses work and the way that paper sizes work, paper is folded and printed in a certain configuration so that books the page, number of pages in a book are always multiples of 16s or 32s. So when you're typesetting a book, you have to make sure that the page numbers fall into that ratio. That's not so much a consideration with digital printing and, and the print-on-demand and things because that's a slightly different process. So you're only ever having to work with evens rather than odds. But I think for independent publishers or authors, those factors still are important even if it's just down to budget you know you're you're paying per page when you're using any of the digital printing platforms so you know authors will work out how much they want to pay per book so 
in theory they'll come to you and say i need i can only afford this book to be 200 pages long so here's the here's the text please design it so that it's 200 pages long <laughs> you know and that's part of the solution that you have to come up with and have you ever redesigned an existing cover i'm thinking about how books can be tweaked after publication so perhaps a new quote is added to a cover or book jacket or a new book has been released by the same author and details of this need to be added inside the jacket. I do get that actually happening quite a lot. You often find it with with, I don't know, with trade publishers that are working with with authors that maybe have suddenly um, become successful or their name has suddenly become high profile, and you know you'll get sent the you'll sent, get sent the cover and the, there are no design changes other than. Take the book, the name of the book, shrink it right down. Take the name of the author and blow it right up, and that's the extent of the changes they make. But it, it's you know it that so, happens quite regularly, I think, and it's an interesting example of how how the the cover can evolve and change and be tweaked over time. That's it. So we can be constantly refining the book. So as we have more successes um, and as we have more of an idea of what's appealing to the readership about a book, we can emphasise that in the cover and in the design. Mm. And I think that's fantastic with the technology that we have today is that we can constantly be re refining the product, uh, product. So especially if you're starting out on your self-publishing journey, you may feel there's an awful lot to get right and there's a lot of information to take on board. But I think the best thing is to get first product as strong as you can but know that you will be revisiting your book perhaps schedule after six months or nine months or a year that you'll be thinking okay what can I do to now refine that book yeah even you know <clears throat> mainstream publishers will do that in between every print run they'll they'll harvest the best reviews the best quotes for, that they can find and whack that on the front cover constantly making those changes the benefit of maybe smaller print runs or print on demand is that you can do that more frequently and that you can, in theory, you can change it as many times as you like. If you get new reviews or you get new quotes, then yeah, like you say, you can, you can constantly add to it and constantly tweak it. And the, and I suppose the great thing is that a, um, a publishing house has been learning and refining their knowledge over many years and uh, I mean, you can do that too over your career as an author. Always be learning and always be improving your product. So I'm presuming from that that you must keep excellent records of your files so you can always go back to the most recent version of the book and update it. Yeah, that's one of the most important things. And, uh, and Having it, a clean, clear archive, yeah. And, I, and we can all learn a lot from that. <laughs> but I, I suppose that especially as you do the digital version of the book, there is different considerations. So you've got different versions for different platforms of digital as well as your print version, which is, is interesting as well. So the, the digital version of the book may be laid out slightly differently to the print. Yeah, well, it'll be completely different. Like, well, just the nature of an ebook is that you can't, essentially you can't typeset it. You can design it to a certain extent, but it's very limited in terms of the the way that platforms, the different platforms or the different devices handle different different types of um, coding. 
Well, perhaps we could just share three top tips before you go, Dan, for working with getting the best out of working with your designer. Um, it sounds to me like um, one thing to be really aware of and through this conversation with you is that a typesetter and designer has a wealth of knowledge about book production and that as a, an author working with a designer, you should really not be afraid to tap into their knowledge and use that wealth of information. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're working with a decent designer or typesetter, they should know all these things and they should be considering all these things. So make sure you ask as many questions as you want to or as you need to. Make sure you, as you say, use their expertise and, and gain as much knowledge as you can from them. I think there are so many, so many things, if you're not experienced in book production, there are so many things that you maybe wouldn't even consider or things that you maybe presume that don't even enter your into your mind as decisions that you have to make. So it's the designer's job to kind of ask those questions and say, how many pages do you want this to be? Do you want the uh, page numbers to be at the bottom of the page? Do you want chapter headings to be on the right-hand page? Do you want chapters to start on, on the left-hand page? You know, all these questions that you maybe don't even realise need answering. Fantastic. And and if I know that book design can be quite an emotional process and that an author can feel quite emotional about this final image that they may feel comes to define the book. So if an author is unsure about how they feel about the cover at any point or design, when should they come to you? When should they talk to you if they're feeling unsure about a design? Well, from a workflow point of view or the earlier the better is is really authors shouldn't be afraid to say to the designer this isn't working this isn't really what I had in mind they should not be afraid to do that at any stage really but obviously in terms of not wasting people's time it's better to do that early on but for me the the, the kind of essential point of of or that the main goal is to make sure that we're creating a cover that the author is happy with and they feel represents the book in the best possible way. So if at any point you deviate from that, I think authors should make sure they're not afraid to to mention it and to maybe backtrack or try out some new ideas. Fantastic. Thank you, Dan. I think it's been a very, really valuable discussion. And um, all that remains for me to ask you is where can listeners find out more about you and your services? So the main place to go to is our website, which is www.cooperstreet.com. That's Cooper spelt with a U just to make it super difficult, which is so it's C-O-U-P-E-R street.com. That's got our portfolio, some examples of some of the recent work. It gives you some ideas about more idea of what we do, the extent of our services, some of the people that we work with in the past yeah, that's that's the main point, and you, all our contact details are on there. So, if you do want to get in touch, then just send us an email. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and sharing your expertise with us, Dan. It's been really illuminating and useful. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs>